I broke that lease. I started house hacking, bought my first deal when I was 21, rented it out to two friends, didn't know anything about the process, had no clue what I was doing. And from there, just kind of rinse and repeat year after year, did one the second year, the third year, and then perfect. everybody, Jamel Gibbs here. Welcome to another podcast episode. Listen, this is going to be a very special episode for those of you who are just getting started in the real estate investing business. Why? Because we have a very special guest who has been in, a, been in the real estate business now for six years. He's 27 years old. He's right here in North Carolina and he's absolutely killing it. So uh, I really thought it would be a great idea to uh, bring Jonathan on the call primarily because number one, he understands exactly what you guys are going through right now. So if you're brand new in the industry, if you're just getting started, if you're a couple of years in, here's a guest that knows exactly what you're going through because he's going through it, right? He's only been in, been in the business for six years, which is a plus. That's a good thing because if he can kill it, in six years, the way he is right now in his business, then you guys can do it too. And you can hear it from somebody who's actually done it, who's actually doing it right now. And that's where you guys are going to benefit. That's where if you implement exactly what we're going to talk about on today's podcast, that's where you're going to be, you're going to be able to kill it. And you're going to be able to hear it from somebody who's actually killing it right here in Raleigh, North Carolina. I have students in Raleigh. I know that market is great. He's killing it in Raleigh and the surrounding areas. So I wanted to welcome Jonathan to the call. Uh, first and foremost, I, I met him on, uh, just to give a, a little bit of uh, history here. I met Jonathan on, on Instagram. He, uh, I guess, uh, commented on, on one of my posts. I, I went to his page. I saw exactly what he was doing in his business. Um, I love his page, by the way. You guys got to check it out. We'll, we'll share that with you later on today. But um, he does a lot of traveling. He's living the investor lifestyle at 27 years old, to sum it all up. That's probably the best way to put it. So he's living that investor lifestyle. And, um, you know, yeah, he's, he's killing it right now. So uh, I wanted to bring him on because you guys can accomplish. I mean, listen, guys, this is not hard. You just got to be consistent. You got to have a little bit of know-how and you got to be willing to put in some work. If you're willing to put in that work, this can work for you as well. The same way it worked for me, same way it worked for Jonathan, same way it works for everybody who succeeds in real estate. You have the ability to kill it, but you just got to get out there and do it first. So you, uh, Jonathan mentioned he's, he's in that building phase right now. Uh, all of you guys should be in that building phase. I'm constantly building, right? I'm constantly uh, doing what, what I need to do to take my business to the next level. There's no such thing as a relaxing phase to me. I'm from Brooklyn, New York, right? So in order for, 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 for me to get to where I really want to go in this business, I got to keep building. And that's what we do as real estate investors, right? We build. That's what we do. We build stuff. We make stuff happen and uh, we create that lifestyle that we want. We build the life that we want in this business. So um, I wanted to welcome Jonathan Farber to the call. He's uh, here in North Carolina, 
by way of Long Island, New York. And I know you guys are going to uh, enjoy this podcast today as well. What's up, man? Dude, I could run through a wall right now. You just got me fired up, man. Seriously, <laughs> that's awesome. But thank you for having me. I'm pumped to be here. Man, I, I, it's, a, it's a pleasure. Uh, first and foremost, I appreciate you taking the time out. I know you run a real estate business, a successful one at that in the area. And, uh, I, I, you know, again, it's, it's, uh, it's a good thing when we can help other investors Understand the ins and outs of the business, the pros and cons, not necessarily, you know, I, I know, you know, gurus will, will sell you the, uh, the, the light at the end of the tunnel all of the time. But what about the bumps on the road to get to that light, right? So we see the light at the end of the tunnel, but we have to get to the light first. Uh, and that's why it's, it's comforting to know that, um, you know, we can have guests like you on these podcasts who can share uh, what they're actually experiencing in their business, actively investing in real estate, not just talking about it. And um, that's what we want to accomplish on today's call, man. Yep. Love it, man. There's a a lot coming to mind just hearing that, but I think there's a lot of things people could be doing. So you tell me, man, where do you want to kick off? Well, why don't you tell them a little bit about, a little bit about yourself first, man, and then we'll take it. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And I think one point you said that, you know, it, it, this, this business is about taking action and consistency. I'll, I'll just throw it out there like this. Um, I, if I can do it, anybody can do it. And that was the mentality I had a little bit at the beginning when I first started investing and looking around and seeing what these people had done in real estate or what they'd done to build a small fortune or maybe a big fortune. And I couldn't believe. And that was kind of the, the thing that I needed to see from other people to say, if this person can do it, I know I can do it. And I'm saying that for other people out there. I'm not the smartest, not the most charismatic. I'm not the best on video. I don't even a lot of times know how to run the numbers, but it's that consistency and that growth mindset that was my first step to getting into it. So I guess just a short and sweet background. First business development book I ever read was Think and Grow Rich, followed by How to Win Friends and Influence People. Two influential books. I think every Middle school, high school, college person person should read those books. They could change your life, set your entire course. And for me, that was kind of what sparked my interest. I had a little bit of family stuff happen as well, but I knew that right then and there, I needed to create this vision and this plan for my life that I felt like I never had. And from there, you know, I, a little bit about just growing up, uh, I was kind of just going with the flow. I was definitely a little bit of a partier in high school, definitely a little bit of a partier in college. And I was just kind of doing what was fun, going with it and kind of feeling it as it came. I did play golf in college. I kind of picked it up when I was in high school, self-taught. And through that, I got to meet some people. But again, I was still in the party mode and just kind of have fun and whatever. And when I was a senior, I read those books and had a couple mentors that I just reached out to cold on LinkedIn and Facebook. And then again, like I said, the family stuff and just made me really turn on a dime to think I got to cut all this stuff out. I got to figure out what my life needs to be and I need to make something of myself. And if not for myself, for my family. And from that point on, the light went on. It's kind of never gone off. So it was just about personal development, networking, thinking about how I could start growing So started doing that. And then my job, I I started working in Raleigh, North Carolina from New York. That's how I got down. And then a couple months down there, Red Rich Dad, Poor Dad, got introduced to Bigger Pockets. And I'm thinking, man, even though I think I'm killing it, I'm making like 65, 70 grand as a 21 year old. Like I made it. I'm like, I'm throwing money away in rent. 
and I need to start building my real estate empire because right now I'm just making a, a paycheck. And if that stops, I have no money coming in. So I broke that lease. I started house hacking, bought my first deal when I was 21, rented it out to two friends, didn't know anything about the process, had no clue what I was doing. And from there, just kind of rinse and repeat year after year, did one the second year, the third year. And then when I had to leave, I was going to buy another one, which I ended up buying, but um, I had to move back to New York immediately. It was a four unit, which I'm actually back in right now. But yeah, that was the process. And then from there, did a flip in New York, um, which was a good learning experience. Didn't go so well. I mean, just it took a long time. And you know what? Needed that to get an idea of what I didn't want to do. And uh, yeah, that was kind of how I got started. And now I'm back to the grind of buying and looking for apartment buildings. There's some stuff that I'm trying to do during coronavirus that I think other young people can be doing because I get that question a lot. But yeah, that's kind of up to date. Back in North Carolina, um, trying to get smarter, trying to network with people, look at my goals every day and just try to keep that vision cast on my life and just, you know, fired up to create content and be with you here today. Awesome, man. Great story. Uh, I love the fact that, you know, again, you, you didn't, you're not letting anything hold you back. Basically you, you uh, had the job transfer uh, to, to Raleigh, North Carolina uh, from New York. Then you had to go back. Then you came, you came back down to North Carolina uh, just this morning. You were in my area. Uh, you're, you're doing deals. Love it, man. So how did you make that transition? Uh, you obviously had that nine to fives. Let, let's talk to the people who have nine to fives right now. Mm -hmm. um, you, you have that, that W2 job, right? Um, how did you make that transition into real estate? I, I know you touched on it a little bit, but let's, let's double back on that a little bit. If yeah. someone right now, if they have a job, what did you do? What type of mindset did you have uh, going in uh, and why real estate? Why, why did you pick that, that field? So the first step or first thing that triggered in my head was when I first got to the company, there was a layoff and I saw men and women that were 40, 50 years old that had big houses, mortgages, two or three kids in college, all these high expenses. They just got laid off and their faucet just got turned off. Mm -hmm. So now they had all this money coming in, high income earners, two, three, four hundred thousand dollars and now it just went to zero. And now they have all these bills piling up and they have a house they have to pay for. And this big life that they've created or felt like they created and they're doing it, you know, keeping up with the Joneses, this and that. And it was like, whoa, I saw that. And I was like, they're not in control of their lives. They have someone that's basically playing puppet master on their life and their finances. And I, I realized the first time I can't have that. So the shift kind of happened for me. And this is the same way I kind of bought back into the strategy during coronavirus, but I was thinking, all right, I'm willing to make some short-term sacrifices in my twenties to live free in my thirties. So that was my approach, right? Like long life, hopefully I can make it up there, you know, hopefully. And I was like, you know what? I need to actually explore the ways I could start growing this business and following in people's wake of how they did it and got started. So first step, a little bit of a step back goals and vision. You know, what do I actually want? When do I want it? What am I willing to give up? So for me, I wanted to be financially free by 30. Right now, I'm on track to do it sooner, but conservatively, I could still hit that goal. The second thing was, what are the strategies and the tactic I could use to do that? So for me, and for anyone listening to this, man, it's such a great time with social media and podcasts. Everybody's accessible now. And you know what? I would use that young age to your advantage, and that's what I did at the time. I tell everyone, if you're under 25 right now, you have the greatest utility you could ever use because people 
they will get on the phone with you, right? Like if you're 22 and trying to figure it out, it's kind of cool. If you're 32 and trying to figure it out, people are like, you're just a dude. Like you should have it figured out by then. Like I don't, you're just a guy, like why, you know, whatever. So I tell every young person, get on the phone with people, call people, network. For me, what that meant was I reached out to the first 150 guests on Bigger Pockets for virtual coffee. I said, I need to learn how you got started. I need to learn the strategies, the tactic. I wanted these people in my network so that if I got stuck, I could call them because I didn't come from a real estate family. My parents, until about two years ago, thought I'm a nut job because they're, they're, they wanted me to be an accountant or a teacher. So step one is education, two, vision and goals. I think three is networking. Just start reaching out to people and figure out what you want, especially if you don't have the experience with it. The, the fourth thing is you have the time on nights and weekends and you're home now, maybe with coronavirus. So why not pick up that side hustle? or try to find that mentor. And for me, what that meant was, I was just reaching out to a bunch of people asking, how can I bring free value? How can I do stuff that you don't like doing? Like, if you're a young person listening to this, message the first 50 guests on Bigger Pockets and say, hey, what do you not like doing every day? I have these skills, I'm happy to try to do it for you. Like, that's value add. So yeah. I was doing that too. And then from there, the consensus was, I don't need a lot of money to start house hacking. And that was the strategy. I got connected with Craig Curlap. He wrote the book at Bigger Pockets couple other people. And I was thinking, you know what? $100,000 house, I can scrape together three and a half percent. I think we all can, you know, just don't buy the watch, don't buy the car, live below your means, save money. You don't have to eat ramen, but just, you know, you don't have to go out every night and you could start building. So that was it for me. And then once I got that first property with three and a half percent down going out, I just called the broker and I said, Hey, can you show me properties? She said, sure. We went and saw like 35 properties. God bless this woman because she had the patience to teach me and walk me through that process. But you know what? Anybody could call that broker and start that relationship. We went and saw the deals, closed on it, found two friends. And I kept asking myself, what's the worst thing that could go wrong? And you know what? The worst thing that could go wrong is if these two people didn't move in or didn't pay rent, my mortgage and my principal and interest and my taxes rather was still lower than what I was paying in rent. So I'm thinking, why not? Why not do it? And then that was my first taste. Anyone listening today can house hack, period. I don't care where you live, what your situation is. And if not, that means maybe your credit isn't good or you need to build better habits with savings, which is doable. You know, you could change your trajectory anytime you want, but that is, I think, the easiest way to get started. House hacking, buy something, low down payment, rent out the other rooms, and you're in the game. Yep. And how, you know, at the end of the day with house hacking, you know, um, as long as the house can pay for itself, then you're, you're winning all the way. So are you still ha house hacking today? Because I know you can do it on a couple of houses. It won't necessarily be a first time home buyer opportunity anymore, but are you still doing that? To, how, how long did you house hack before you started turning things up? So it's funny you ask because I'm back to that mindset with coronavirus, that short-term slight sacrifice. I'm not saying go live under a bridge. I'm saying tone things down a little bit, get more steady. And then everyone, the one thing I'll say is everyone kept saying, I wish I knew now what I knew in 2008. I'm like, this might be it again. Get ready. You know, like it's another opportunity, man. You asked for it. You might have it. So like take a step back. So for me, I'm actually, I'm, I'm working on a video right now where it's going to be the, the basics of, I moved to North Carolina when I was 21 and I thought I needed to show out. I was flexing. I, you know, I lived in a beautiful apartment, pool, gym, have friends and family come over. Like, this is what I've done. Now, 27, I moved back into a quadplex that I bought in 2017, which is a definite 
step down quote unquote in quality of life. Not so much though, like not a huge deal, but people would look at that and be like, you were living there when you're 21 and now you're living here. So for me, I'm moving back into a four unit so I can get a better interest rate on a refinance and then I'm knocking off PMI on it. So I'm house hacking again in theory. Exactly. Now think about that for a moment though. So you took a step back, but you li- I'm sure you're living rent free right now. Yeah. So how bad is it? You know what I mean? Dude, and it's that's not where, bad. Exactly. That's my point. So you're, you own a property, you're living rent free through house hacking and you're able to save up more money, build equity in that property. And that's going to take you into your financially free uh, by the time you're 30 anyway. Right. Totally. And just one comment on that. Like the first step in any of this, if the, the term gets thrown out a lot, financially free, yep. but if you can knock out your cost of living and then buy a car that is paid off with cash, guys, that's your, like, like what, like food after that. And then like, you know, I mean, Hey, if you love clothing, you got a shoe addiction, whatever, one thing, but like, you don't need that much more for most people. Their biggest balance sheet item, their biggest line item expense is living and car. You knock that out. You're already like halfway to financial freedom. Now you just need a little bit of the side hustle, which real estate can provide for you. Maybe a little bit, something extra on the side and you're there. Yep. It's just like you've become unhinged or, or like unshackled compared to only having one stream of income and trying to buy stuff to impress people that you don't even like. So, so why do that? So let's talk about that. You obviously understand the definition of true wealth, right? What's true wealth in your eyes? So I have a short term and a long term. For me, my short term... Passive cash flow, financial freedom is 8K a month passively. Okay. I don't need to replace my full W2 income because I feel like from there, then it could be that much more. After that, I have bigger goals. I'd like it to be 20,000 in five to seven years passively. But then I don't think I need, like, I, I used to want to be a zillionaire, but now I, I want to be really comfortable. I want to have my needs met. I want to be able to help my family, my friends. And that's enough for me. Like, I like nice things, but I don't need a lot of them. And, you know, like, I I like simple, you know? So for me, if I get the basic needs covered, I can do fun stuff. I could, I could, you know, help my family and friends, whatever. Um, That's what financial free looks like for me. And I get really fired up from helping people. So for me now, then that would be the next step. And just why, you know, I started a Facebook group and other stuff that's like community that I love doing. But yeah, those are my, my short and long term. You know, it could change, but that's it for now. So if we think about, you know, your, your total uh, debt or your total expense every month versus the, the amount that you, you have to actually uh, dish out versus the amount that you have to uh, put in, uh, I guess a, the best way to say it is the amount of money that you're spending every month versus the amount of income that you have to work for, um, you, you already eliminated your, 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 uh, your living expenses. I'm not sure if you have your, if you're making your car payment through your job or whatever the case may be. But uh, by the time you're 30, you'll 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 well exceed that amount, regardless of the fact because you're living below your means. Number one, you'll purchase other properties which will cover the car payments and uh, the food and all of your living expenses, and that's what brings true wealth. And real estate, that's what people want. You know, at the end of the day, they're not looking, you know, most people, I talk to a lot of people, most people just want to make 10 grand a month. 
and I ask them, why do you want to make 10 grand a month? Well, it's because, you know, I'll make six figures a year or they'll come up with another, another excuse. But then when I follow up with the question, how much do you actually live off of each month right now? It's usually like four grand a month, let's just say, right? Five grand a month. You know, if, if you, if you're living a, a modest lifestyle, um, so I, I tell them, what if you can make five grand a month passively without doing anything, right? Without putting forth any effort, just on rent collection. That's how you build true wealth. If you're spending four, five grand a month in expenses and you can cover it through rent or another passive income, then you're considered to be a wealthy individual. So wealth doesn't necessarily come from, you know, uh, making several million dollars a year. It comes from your income exceeding your expenses without your personal efforts. That's where people get caught up. And you're already, you're already doing it, man. Uh, at 27 years old, which is pretty impressive. I can tell you when I was 27, uh, I started around the same age as you, 21. By the time I was 27, I, I, I owned multiple million dollars in real estate, but then 2008 kicked in and I, now I was bankrupt, you know, and then it took me almost a year to get everything back on track. But, uh, I wasn't living below my means like you are today. So that's why I was telling you earlier, man, just stay ahead of the game with that. And you're going to, I mean, you're going to be kicking butt by the time you're, you know, you're kicking butt already, but, um, you're really going to be, uh, in a, in a favorable position before you're 30 years old, man. Fantastic, fantastic story, man. Yeah. And just one comment on that. Cause you know what, that's one question I do get a lot um, in this and it's such a valid question. And I, I try to not be a good book I recommend, or just it, it opened my eyes to things it's called fooled by randomness. And basically mm -hmm. like the concept of that book is there's a lot of investors right now that look smarter than they are because they just started investing in 2010 and you could have thrown a dart in 2010 and you look like a genius. Okay. So part of me, I'm trying to weigh that of, have I made actual savvy moves or have I just been lifted by the wave that, that lifts all boats? So I balance that a lot, but there, there are three rules that I live by as far as investing goes. And these are just rules that I've kind of put together, but they started with one of my, my I'd say, idol investors, um, Joe Fairless. He's a big syndicator, multifamily guy. I'm sure you know him, but he's, he's built a big multifamily apartment building business. And his three rules are long-term debt, cash flow, and you need reserves. Yep. And with that, I feel not like bulletproof, but I feel the likelihood, and then living below my means for sure. But I feel like that, if I keep those three in mind, those are the three I always have in my head whenever I'm looking at an asset is a way to make sure that, okay, if a coronavirus happens, how, how will I do, right? So like I looked at my portfolio now, if every tenant stopped paying, how long could I go, right? If there was no stimulus, no um, forbearance, whatever, like how would I do? Now, however I would do, it doesn't matter. I mean, I, I'm conservative in the sense of I keep a lot of reserves, but I think if you keep those three things, you do set yourself up for a better chance. And then, you know, there's going to be people that are definitely reckless too. And, you know, they'll get cleansed out and then they'll rebuild. But you know what I like about it is once you learn how to do it, you can do it again, man. Like, like 
you know, it's the expression. If, if you took all the money in the world and divided it equally, it would all end up back in the same pockets. It's a Jim yep. Rohn quote. Dude, you're an example of that, right? You got knocked down. You're probably beyond where you were then. And now oh. you're so much smarter about it, yep. right? So it's like, you learned how to do it. Who cares if you get knocked down? You can rebuild it, you know? And that's like, that's why your story is so cool. Yeah, man. It's, it, I appreciate that too, man. But I definitely, I don't look at it as a loss. It, you know, for me, it's not a loss at all. It, it's a, it's a learning lesson. It's a seminar, you know? So I just learned from the mistake and kept on moving, man. So it, it's not about, you know, we're going to get knocked down. I expect to get knocked down is, is how many times can I get back up to get to, get to the goal and that's what it's all about man you know so Love it. great great uh great uh start to this podcast man so what's the biggest misconception that you feel people have getting started in real estate house hacking is a great way to get in um but what's the biggest misconception that people have when it comes to house hacking um you know i think i think the, the biggest one is people say you know, what if it gets weird with one of my friends? You know, if I'm renting it out to my friend, you know, I got to chase him for rent. And that's a, that's a real concern. I get it. But you know what? Like, I never had that. And, and I felt like it was something I worried about. You know, it's like a good Mark Twain quote, half the things you worry about, you know, never happen. I forget the exact wording, but it's so true. Like, you know, that was one of the things I was like, oh, you know, these are my friends. I work with them. You know, I try to keep, you know, swim lanes up between my life and work and whatever. And you know what? it wasn't a big deal. Those are still some of my closest friends and I took them with me and now, you know, they're doing their thing and it just becomes a rental after the fact, but that's the biggest one. And then just the other one is like, you know, will I be able to fill the rooms? And you know, if you do a little bit of backend research and a realtor helps you and maybe you call a property manager or two, you look on rentometer and you just do a little bit of homework, you'll be able to rent it out, you know, and then, from there, I think those are the two biggest objections I have. And then some people, it's just like, they don't want it enough. They, they want to be wealthy, but they don't want roommates. So I'm like, you don't want it then. And that's totally cool. Like my whole thing is do whatever makes you happy, right? Like if, if you love living in debt and driving the car you can't afford and having the bag you can't afford and the watch and whatever, dude, and you're happy. Amazing. Like I love you for it. And like, amazing like everyone needs to find happiness in my opinion for me i you know i'm not happy with that setup so for yeah. me happiness is a little bit of delayed gratification and doing so those are the two things i'd say living with friends and it being weird and then maybe like personal life getting mixed with maybe the work friends or just like having to chase people down for rent but never had a uh a bad situation with that cool man and, and you know what's so interesting about what you just mentioned man uh so you have some people that they want the instant gratification right now and they can't wait for the, the, uh, the floodgates to open for them later on. They want, the, they want everything right now rather than investing a little bit now and then getting whatever you want later on. That's like somebody who will go out and, and, and buy a pair, you know, a $200 pair of shoes, let's just say, $200 pair of sneakers. They'll invest, they'll put the money, they'll spend the money on the instant gratification of having the sneakers or the, the shoes or whatever it is that they want, or maybe even a $5,000 down payment on a car. I'm just kind of using that as an example, but they won't take the same money and invest it into something that's going to bring them more income. 
because they can't wait a, a little longer to be able to have the investment pay for whatever it is that they want on the front end. So uh, that's one of the biggest things that I see people, they're not willing to invest into themselves. To them, investing into themselves is getting what they want right now with the money rather than investing it into, let's say, real estate, which is going to offer a return on the investment. You know, so uh, that's one of the biggest mistakes that I see people make. I've made that mistake. So I, I know it, it's, uh, it's true amongst a lot of people. And um, at the end of the day, unfortunately, that's why people stay broke. And you, got, you have a 1% one, uh, club and you have a 99% club. The 1% don't do what the 99% do. And that's why they're the 1%. So people got to change their mindset and start thinking differently, man. So we totally. Spoke about, yeah, totally. So we spoke about some misconceptions. What do you feel are some obstacles people might, some challenges people might have uh, trying to get started? You know, I think the, the preconditioning is a, is a big problem. Kind of to your point of like the 99%, the 1%, you know, I think a lot of people have good intentions. It's mm-hmm. just they're fed bad information and they're around, fixed mindset people for a long time you know you you feel the difference in energy when you're around a growth mindset person versus a fixed mindset person you know a growth mindset person is how do we do this we can do this a fixed mindset person is a yeah butter you know every good idea you give them yeah but this could happen yeah like it could all happen man like a tree could fall and kill me right now like that could happen it's just like i gotta live my life so i guess the biggest obstacles like tangible ones are I hear a lot of times like, you know, I don't want to fix toilets. What if I get sued? I don't have a lot of money. Um, I don't have time, you know, like just, Hey, but some of these I totally, I can get and relate to, but I'd say the biggest obstacle that you need to start with is leveling up your five, the people you surround yourself with, the information you put in your brain, the food you put in your mouth, your body, Mm. like start, like, I mean, I can't talk about the body, man. Like if people are watching on video, like, I'm a shrimp compared to you. I mean, you're, you're, (laughs) you get your arm is my leg, but anyway, but basically I guess that would be the thing. But like the way I think about every single one of those, like tactical things is dude, following someone else's wake. Every one of these things has been documented, man. Like the toilet thing, not a big deal. Like the property manager or you get a plumber out in three seconds, you know, or, you know, whatever. If you have to go over there, I've never gone over and plunge a toilet. The money thing, there's all these creative ways. I put yep. $3,500 down on my first property. I bet anybody listening to this podcast can come up with 3,500 bucks. Yep. Time, dude, unless you're working 120 hours a week, you have time. You have weekends, you have nights, you have ears that you can put content into all the time. If you don't like to read, it doesn't matter. You can call people. And you as can far listen as like to a, an audible. Dude, all the time, man. Like, you know, like, it, that's just as good, man. I, like when someone says like, oh, I don't like to read, I'm like, you like to listen? Like if you can listen to music, you can listen to books. Like, yep. and then the other one is I don't have a mentor. And the thing, I think anybody can combat that, man. Like I, I you know, it's not public, public yet, but like I just actually hooked up with, I'll say, you know, I wrote a long piece of content to Joe Fairless about how I can add value to his life because I always want to be value add before value ask. Cause I do think a mentor or coach is important. I have a coach and I'm part of a mastermind, but I think you can go about it the right way by trying to provide value. So I sent Joe an email, 15 points, five for each category of his business. Here are the five things I can do in each to add value and improve what you're doing. Very humbly stated, like, who am I to say this? But I want to try to bring you some free value. And now, hopefully, he's going to be my mentor when I'm trying to level up 
to multifamily syndication. But those are the main ones and they can all be overcome. And I just threw out a couple of ways they can be overcome. And like, you know, you either want it or you'll find an excuse. You know, yeah. you find a way, you find an excuse, like straight up. Absolutely, man. I actually, I, I, I might reach out to Joe to have him on a podcast. In fact, um, Dude, you should. We're part of this. We'll talk about that conference. offline also. Cause you know, I'll be helping out with some of the brand stuff, hopefully. So yeah, man. But, um, we're talking about house hacking. Um, that's kind of where the conversation is lending itself to, man. And I love the concept of house hacking, especially for somebody just getting started. So if we had to provide, let's say, a, a five-step process for someone to get started to become financially free house hacking, thinking about financial freedom as the end goal, uh, what would be that five-step five process for, for our listeners to get started doing this? Totally. And just for someone who has catching it cold, they've never heard of house hacking. They don't started. know what it means. Yep. Just high level, what house hacking is, is you buy either a home or a duplex, triplex, quadplex, multiple units. You live in either one room or one portion of that property and you rent out the other parts. And because you're living in it, banks will give you a very favorable down payment amount, not a lot of money. And then by renting out the other portions of it, you offset your cost of living to either live for free or be paid to live, which is totally possible. It's just the best way ever. And so, you get some tax benefits along with it as well. So because you're yep. living in the property. Exactly. So it's just like compounding benefits. But okay, if I was just listening, starting out today, um, depending on what city you're in, I think you can still find great deals on the MLS. Okay. It's a, it might be a little harder depending what city you're in. If you have suburb flight going on right now with coronavirus, it's a real thing. Suburbs are hot, but yep. I think you can do it. And I also think one thing that, is a little bit of a, you know, I, I feel strongly about it. Some people would disagree. I don't, I don't mind even overpaying a little bit on a property that I'm putting so little down on. If my numbers still work, that I'll either be able to make a little profit as a rental or live for free. And by being able to offer a little above ask or overpay a little bit, you have a better chance of getting that property. So that would be like step three. But what I would do is I would go on bigger pockets. I'd go on Facebook groups and I would start messaging with investors or brokers in whatever area I'm thinking about doing it. Facebook groups are like the best secret out right now. Like I found two partners. I found a deal on Facebook. Like it's amazing what's going on there. So you can link up, you just type in the city you're in and you type in investor group, right? Like you could type in Raleigh investor group, North Carolina investor group, and people post deals all the time, but you can also find out who the players are and start networking. So Day one, you get off this podcast or you pause this podcast. I'd go on those Facebook groups and bigger pockets right now. Say, Hey guys, I'm a new investor or Hey, I'm looking to buy a house. It's a house hack. Here's what I'm looking for. A couple rooms. I'm, I'm a little new, but I want to get in the game. People will reach out to you and you can start networking with people. So that's like baseline. Second thing I'd call a lender. So it's a little bit of like, uh, for me, I'm more of a visionary. So I hate like operational stuff. Sometimes I hate calls with lenders. I hate paperwork. But, you know, you got to bite the bullet sometimes. So I'd probably call three or four lenders and I'd get pre-approved. And what that means is they run your credit. And I'll talk about that in a sec. But I'd run your credit to know what price I can pay. They will tell you, based on your financial situation, what your max amount is. So at least that way you have your criteria to know the most I could spend on this house hack is 300 grand. If you don't have that pre-approval from a bank, you're shooting in the dark. You might find an amazing place for 400 grand. And then it's like, what do I do now? So first thing, network. Second thing, get pre-approved. And I'm coming back to the pre-approval part because people say, oh, I don't want to run my credit. It'll get hurt. Guys, 
one, it doesn't hurt your credit that much if your credit's good. Two, once you get that first pull, you can get um, as many as bank, many as you want for as many as you want. So yep. you might as well test again, right? Like, I mean, you, you know that. Yep. So then you know your criteria. You know the people, now, you know the area. Yeah. Let's stop there for a second. What? You know, I we all know the answer to this, but just for those of you who don't know the answer, what would be the minimum credit score that you need in order to get qualified for something like this? Man, you know, I know FHA has a specific minimum. Um, do you know it? I, I want to say it was like 600 or 620. It was 620. Uh, and then it, it fluctuated between 620 and 640 um, and with 3% down. Uh, and, yep. and, and that's with, that's without the closing costs and everything like that. So you figure you factor in, you know, uh, maybe four to 5% out of pocket plus 620 credit score. And that, that would be, uh, it, it can go as, as low as 580, you know, um, depending on what type of loan you get as well. But, um, mm. that's something that we would, you would have to talk to your, your mortgage uh, broker or your mortgage lender about. I'm so glad you said that though, because I think that's also like some of these steps lead to other steps. So let's mm -hmm. say you do call the lender and he's like, dude, your credit sucks. Like you got 525 credit, man. Like you've been, you got crazy debt. You're living way above your means. That's a good thing. That is your first step to knowing, well, all right, now I know what I need to change. Yeah, exactly. I, I, this is a perfect example. I got a credit pull three weeks ago and I couldn't believe the result, bad result for me. It was a 660. I'm like, what happened? Like I, I've never missed a bill, nothing. They said, you know, it's crazy. There's a, a fee from a, they, well, they, no, it was even crazier. They said there was a fee from a credit card that got mailed to your old address and you missed it. You didn't pay oh. the fee. And now if you pay it today and send us and get Barclays to send it back. So, you know what, for me, I needed that credit report pulled to know what my, my situation was. Yep. So long story short, Barclays sent the letter back and now it went back up immediately a hundred points. Very lucky. But for anyone listening to this, like you need to know where you're at financially. And sometimes that first credit report and that pre-approval could give you so much direction, you know? So like to your point, like at least then you have a first step. Yep. You know? Exactly. Um, then from there, it's just about networking, reaching out to more or less people in the Facebook groups, going out and seeing deals in person. Like I said, you're going to learn so much. And when you do it, I'd say take the mentality of um, you're a beginner. There's no stupid questions, growth mindset. And you want to ask 20 dumb questions because yeah. you need to get a baseline, right? Like there's no dumb questions at the beginning. I still ask 20 dumb questions a day because I'm just curious. And like, I don't know how some of these things work, but I know it's my money on the line. So I need to understand. So then I'd go out and see the deals. You have your realtor, you have your lender, you have the properties, hopefully. And then from there, it's just about taking that step off the curb, you know, and feeling like you can make the offer. And then at that point, I'd start feeling out people, either friends or people maybe on Facebook, friends of friends, Craigslist is a little sketchy. I don't know if I totally recommend it, but try to figure out who you're going to live with your roommates. And that's like the guide, man. I mean, high level, yeah. like for sure. But you know, that would be like my step-by-step. -step. And do you feel, you know, obviously we, we both know the answer, you know, anybody can do this, but how difficult is it for someone to get started doing this? Dude, this is one of my favorite questions that I throw out now on my podcast, which is like, 
how much time should you spend preparing versus executing? You know, like some people, I'm pretty action oriented. Once I have my base, once I have my base and a couple of systems, I feel like I can go and go. Other people fight like, yeah, I'm not going to call anyone out here. I probably should, but I'm not. But some people, they just, you know, five years, they've underwritten, analyzed deal after deal and they just can't do it. Mm -hmm. So I'd say this, man, like you've done the research for a year two, like any more than a year and a half, you're ready. And if not, I'd say you need maybe to force a little bit of a nudge. You either need a coach, a mastermind, a mentor, something like that to guide you through because you have something blocking you. Like there's nothing complicated here you can't learn in a year. So for me, I like to get about 30% base and then I like to talk to a lot of people and then I just feel like I can go, you know, but that's just me. I'm a little more action oriented. I'm not, uh, I'm not an engineer. I'm not an accountant. I'm a little bit more of kind of the, the higher level, like visionary type like ideas. So I can kind of just jump in. I actually need someone to help me restrain and be like, it's a bad idea because so I'd say a look in the mirror and self-awareness to know like, what's my profile type. And then from there, it's like, if I need help, go out and pay for a mentor or get in a mastermind for free or just get around the right people. And then, you know, say, hold me accountable to this, you know, and uh, I need to just get in the game. And now you got to help me get in the game. So that's my answer. It's just how much time to plan versus execute. For me, it's like yeah. 30, 40% and then jump in. You know, I a hundred percent agree with that too, man. You know, most people, how, let me ask you this, how valuable is having someone actually show you, you know, some people, just don't have the funds to invest in or they cl or they say they don't have the the means to invest into a mentor um how valuable is having a mentor to you dude all right let me stretch out for this one a little bit <laughs> all right here's the deal guys if you went to college and you just spent 150 grand and you don't even want to do anything with that information what difference does it make dropping a thousand bucks to change your whole life? Mm -hmm. Okay. And get the information and the accountability and the step-by-step -step plan to start your life, right? Like you'll spend money on dumb crap that doesn't actually get you where you want to go, but you won't spend the money to improve this vessel that you only have one of to actually become what you want to be. And you know what? Like, I will say this, it took me a long time. I will say coming from the corporate world where there's so many fixed mindset people, it's so looked down upon. So you need mm -hmm. to, I'd say break out of that and be like, who am I getting my advice from corporate people that, you know, they're 60 years old, but they've been dead since they were 20 or do I want it from the guy that's 39 and literally is cooler than most 20 year olds, you know, and like doing it. And what is my hurdle? So like, for me, I have a coach, I have a mastermind. Like I just want to be around the people and get the boost, but it was definitely something that I needed to wrap my head around. And I thought it was airy fairy. I thought it was gimmicky thinking coach, you know, like, what is this? But you know what? That's because my conditioning was bad. Mm. I was taught by people that you stop getting educated after college, dude, after college education begins. Yep. You know? So it's like, that's the thing. So for me, I would say, if you're listening to this and you've done a little research and someone has a good branding, if they have good social media presence and they have testimonials or tutorials, why not? If it's, if it's 500 bucks or a thousand bucks. Okay. Like 
it might be what you need to, to level up and become the person you want to be or get you on that path, you know? So I'd say, and also depending on how much your time is worth, you know, I, I think about my time per hour. I know I could learn probably anything in three months, but do I have three months? If I look at my dollar per hour, if I spend three months learning something that I could pay to learn in a week, it's a no brainer, you know, or I could pay to learn in a month. I just saved myself two months of my life, yep. but then I could go be playing golf or with my family that, you know, I bought back. So different mindset. I get it. It's hard, but I would say just do it. If you really think it's what's holding you back and uh, you, you might be amazed at what happens. Yeah. And you know, I, I think a lot, you know, that goes back to the sneaker and the, the down payment on the car mentality as well. You know, people, they, they want to spend money on instant gratification, something that makes them feel good. You know, uh, material things make you feel good with investing into yourself. You're not going to get instant gratification. It can come quickly, but it's not going to, you're not going to get that feel good mentality until you get that first check. The problem is most people don't take the step to get to the first check. So they'll never, they'll never have that, that, um, that satisfying feeling to, um, to understand what it feels like to get to have that money in the bank, to, to get to the check. You know what I mean? So, you know, most people fall short of that, unfortunately. So they'll, you know, and just kind of touching base with what you were saying on the college thing, you know, that's, is programmed into people's minds that they have to go to school to make money. Unfortunately, most people don't even use their degrees. And I had people working for me that went to college for four years for something completely different, you know? So, um, the point is you got to step outside of what you're programmed to think at the moment. You got to step outside of your comfort zone as well. And you got to take some type of action. Most people don't take action. And that's the problem. They become, I said this before, you guys have heard me say it before. People become professional learners. If you're taking a year and a half to learn something, that's a problem. I think you should take a couple of weeks and then start taking baby steps toward whatever it is that you're trying to accomplish. If it's house hacking, learn a little bit about it, take some action, make some mistakes. People are afraid to make mistakes. You gotta fall, you gotta fail forward. You gotta fall on your face a couple of times to learn from it. Fail forward. That's all you have to do, right? It's not hard. You'll, you'll, you'll learn, you'll minimize the mistakes as you go on, but don't expect to hire a coach and have the coach do all the work for you. You're never going to learn, right? Most people, if you go to college, and this is, this is a fact, you go to college, you're paying to get instructed by someone or mentored by someone for four years. And he's not, that person is not doing the work for you. It's the same thing here. You want to learn, but you want to do the work. And that's how you're going to be able to accomplish what it is that you want to accomplish in this business. And in regards to house hacking, like Jonathan said, look, you know, pull your credit report, see what's on it. That's, that's step number one. You know, if you have bad credit, start fixing the problem, right? That's step number one. But don't let that, don't get consumed in the one thing that's not going to help you reach the ultimate goal. Because, you know, for a fact, and I, I know I'm kind of going on a little bit of a rant here, but listen. I know people who will pull their credit, pull their credit and then focus on that one thing like they're accomplishing something by, uh, you know, fixing their credit report when they're not actually looking for houses, 
which is the ultimate goal of the whole thing. So, you know, you, you never know what type of opportunity you're going to come across if you don't go get out there and actually do something, but don't get consumed in the one thing, the one portion of the thing that you're trying to accomplish. You got to think about the end goal, the light at the end of the tunnel. These are just little obstacles, little hurdles that you got to get over in order to get to the light. uh, If that's what you uh, choose to do, but you got to take action. It, It starts with you. It starts with the person listening to this podcast right now. And um, if you don't take action, you'll be wondering in two to three years from now, uh, what am I doing? You know, why am I still in the same position? It starts with taking action. You have to take action. You agree with that, Jonathan? Couldn't agree with that more. And I couldn't have said it better. Spot on. Yeah, man. So this has been a great call, man. House hacking is definitely a great way to get started. Yes, you do need a little bit of credit. You, need, you do need some money to get started. It is, it, it, this is not your typical uh, no credit, no money real estate investing niche, but you can, you can do it without that as well. You know, if you mm-hmm. just think a little creatively, you know, or bring in some partners or uh, set up some type of, uh, you know, owner finance, you know, subject to type of deal, that can be done. So think about house hacking, guys. This is a great way to get started, uh, especially if you're in your mid-20s. Um, even if you're not in your, in your mid twenties, but you're looking to get maybe your first rental property going house hack it. Why not? Right. Live in the property for a little bit, um, you know, a year or two. Uh, and then, you know, once you leave, rent, rent the place out, move on to the next property, do what you need to do to get your foot in a, in a door, get yourself in the game. And then, uh, while you're living rent free, you can be learning how to do other strategies as well. You know, it's a great way to tap into apartment investing as well. I, I just think it's a, a, a fantastic strategy. So, Jonathan, uh, it was a pleasure having you on today's training, uh, today's podcast. If our listeners wanted to get in contact with you, man, where, where, where should they go? Two, two places. I mean, uh, uh, I have a podcast, but I'd say the Facebook group is where I do a lot of uh, one-on-one stuff, live stuff. It's just Millennial Millionaire Through Real Estate Facebook group, or you just search my name and real estate, you'll find it. And then on Instagram, J-O-N-J-F-A-R-B, John J. Farb. So those are the two main ways. And uh, I try to get back to everybody I can on those. And if you're in that group, I try to make myself as accessible as possible. Perfect, man. What's the uh, podcast, by the way? Uh, You want to share that with us? Same name as the Facebook group, Millennial Millionaires Through Real Estate. And uh, it's pretty much just tailored at how do people go from zero to one? And then, you know, they get the itch from there. But how do you get started? And, and that's, we dig into tactics about how to find partners, how to find mentors, how to find deals. Like we go, we go deeper on individual sections, but um, yeah, 20 to 30 year olds, but anybody can listen, obviously. I mean, there's benefit in anything, but uh, it's a lot of how to get started type conversations. Love it, man. And I think that uh, our listeners who are in that category, 20 to 30 year olds, are definitely going to love the content in in the group and uh, on the podcast as well, man. But definitely reach out to Jonathan, guys. Uh, It's been a real pleasure. Are you reading any books right now? I know we were talking about books. You mentioned Fool by, I wrote it down, Fool by Randomness. I'll I'll link in the description. Anything you're, you're reading in particular right now? Yeah, I'm rereading three books. This year in 2020, I'm a little bit more of quality over quantity. Last year, I tried to read a book a, a week, and I could only remember like 
nine of the books. So this year I want to actually drill into it. All the information is the same. It's just packaged up differently. But uh, right now I'm, I'm rereading four hour work week traction and Joe Fairless best ever guide to syndicate syndication. Yeah. So those are the three. And I just, I've highlighted those things. They're falling apart, but those are like my textbooks, man. Like yeah. that's, you know, that's the guide. I went through all of those books, man. In fact, recently, as of maybe seven, eight months ago, I went through Joe's, uh, Joe Fairless's book. So I'll link all of that in a description box uh, from Amazon for you guys uh, to be able to take a look at those. Uh, I love the four hour work week as well. I love traction. I listen to those books. I'm, I'm an audible learner, an audio learner. So I listen to audible a lot on one and a half speed. I usually be able to go through books relatively quickly. Um, I'm not more of a visual reader a physical reader type of guy. I just don't have the time in a day to do it. I got a, got four kids, man. So, <laughs> but yeah, man, it's been a real pleasure having you today, brother. I'm looking forward to having you again sometime in the near future. Uh, I love the journey that you're on. I love the story. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing where you end up in the next couple of years, man. Before you're 30, you know, financial freedom. And, uh, you know, anybody can accomplish that, man. And, and I love the fact that we're talking to that crowd today. Uh, any last words for our listeners? I got one. It's kind of a more recent top of mind comment, but um, I, you know, like a lot of people think about why are some people successful? Why are some people not? What's the difference, right? And a lot of people say hard work. And my friend asked me this, we we're driving through a neighborhood one day and there were a bunch of gardeners out, you know, lawn guys, whatever. And I was like, you think they're not working hard? They're working harder than me and you 10 times, right? So I don't think it's hard work. I think there's only three things that we can do as ourselves, right? I think we can only cast a vision for our life. No one else can do that for that for you. Vision and goals. Networking. No one else can network with you or for you. No one else can make a relationship. And the other thing is what you put into your body and your mind. So those three things I think can't be outsourced, but those for me are the three that when you blend them together, you can really become something. I think hard work's important, but read four hour work week and you realize it's not all hard work. It's smart work. But those are the three things I recommend anybody drill into vision, networking, and keeping this vessel clean. And you'll be amazed at what happens. So that's it, man. Just anybody can do it if I can. And this was a lot of fun, man. You just rocked this interview, dude. I can't wait to have you on mine, but you do a great job here. So appreciate you having me. Appreciate it, man. I'm looking forward to, to being on yours. Anytime you want to have me, just let me know, brother. Um, listen, guys, it's been a real pleasure having you guys listen in today. I know you guys uh, picked up a lot of jewels today uh, on this podcast. Be sure to share it with others. Uh, like this uh, podcast, subscribe to the, to the uh, YouTube channel and all of that good stuff. All of the information that you need will be in the description box below. I'm looking forward to seeing you guys on the next one. Take care. Check out my website at reieducationacademy.com. To make it easy, you can just simply go to jamelgibbs.com or check out my YouTube page at youtube.com forward slash jamelgibbs. I'm all over the web, whether it be on Facebook slash the Jamel Gibbs or on Instagram at Jamel Gibbs. I'm on LinkedIn as well. I'm on TikTok. I'm on Snapchat. 
check out all of these platforms for daily content weekly content more content from jamel gibbs but if you want to get more in depth go to rei education academy.com and that's how you can find out more about my training material and how you can get started investing in real estate today talk to you later